So yeah, now we're recording. Yay! Yay! We will figure it out as we go along. Yeah, this is all new to us. I know it's very scary. Um, very very scary. Yeah, it's an odd thing. So yeah, let's start. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to hold back, and no. we can just edit everything out. We have a great editor person. His name's Colin, and he's and he's amazing. He set up our microphone and this box thing that I don't know the name of, and we've ran him four times now. If there'll be more, this podcast is going to take about 24 hours to actually record um, and there'll be about two minutes of content. Um, but we have to learn somewhere. So I'm going to start. Um, and my name's Sarah and this is Emma. Hello. And we wanted to start a podcast. Uh, I don't know how long we've been talking about this shit. Like two years. Yeah. And then there was a global pandemic and we figured this was the best time to do it. And we were like, we'll do it on murder. Well, listen, there was never a question as to what it was going to be about. It was always going to be about murder. Because of our weird, fucked up fascination. Well, it's not weird and fucked up because this is like the most played podcast or murder podcast, like murder through murder, true crime podcast. Yeah, there is this like secret mm. weird obsession yeah. with murder. But people do get really weirded out and you have to find your people. Yeah, you do. That's the only um, thing. I talk about murder a lot around people who aren't my people. Yes, me too. And they're, they just look at me with this, oh. I think it's that thing where people are like, why would you listen to that when everything is terrible? Which I get because like during a global pandemic but I'm listening to more true crime podcasts now. I'm listening to way more true yeah, crime than I would have and been. I mean what's really odd is that you know the whole world is a dumpster fire at the minute but now what's happening in America in terms of race war and riots and people being fucking murdered um, it's taken my mind off yeah, COVID yeah, 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 and it's yeah. fucking horrible it's because, awful it's horrible to think that um, way but uh, true crime does that for me. Yes. I just go to my uh, happy, weird place when I listen to it. Yeah, and like I think, I don't think this, there's nothing wrong with this. And we're not making fun of murder. And we're not oh, making no, we fun definitely of are. <laughs> at, one, at one point, well, I will 100% make fun of somebody. We're going to get some emails. Shit's going to be. Yeah. Sarah, no, we are not making fun. <laughs> we're not going to laugh at the report. No, we will. We probably we will. will. If there's, there's no point in like, let's get it all on the table now. We're going to make some jokes. It's going to be horrendous. I'm going to say the C word a lot. This is an 18th rated podcast. It is. R rated. And um, no one's going to listen to it. So what does it matter? You know what? That's how I'm going to go into this. Yeah. I'm just going to do it because no one's going to listen to it. Yeah. So um, and if you are listening, don't contact us on any no, of our social media. We have media. no social media. And, we um, have no phone numbers. Yeah. We're not advertising anything. Don't contact us. <laughs> oh, and this podcast is called Murder Most Irish. Murder Most Irish. we're going to focus on murders in Ireland. Um, because I don't think really... I think Ireland's so small that a lot of people would take one or two kind of more high-profile murders and talk about it, whereas there's a lot of shit that goes on. Well, there's we a massive amount of murder that happens in Ireland. I yeah. think we're 11th in the European list yeah, yeah, yeah. for murder per capita. It's crazy. Um, but the problem with Ireland is we don't solve them. mm um, so Most of the ones that I was researching, they were like, this is remains unsolved. Yeah, and if you go to, actually while me and Emma were looking at what murders to do, we went to the uh, Garda missing and unsolved cases. And there is just so many people missing in Ireland that yeah. you never hear anything about. And a large, like ethnic community you're well, massive a lot of, of foreign nationals Asian, Asian people are uh, like from stuff. 2008 to 2009 I think I counted like 62 uh, Asian people went missing and we don't seem to care about them 
There um, seems to be, yeah, this kind of, unless, I think it's the same thing, it's obviously in other countries, especially America, I find, the more high-profile murder cases are always, like, the blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah, she was mm. so beautiful. She was so beautiful. And even this murder I'm going to talk about today, every single article that I read was just, like, they mentioned how pretty she was. And I was like, what the, how, why does that matter? Yeah. Like, it's not even a descriptor. It's not like she was tall. That's how we had to, like, search for her body or whatever. It's just, like, she was so pretty. Yeah. It's that, uh, you know, Chris, like... Um, me and Emma had an incident where we walked into a shop in Cladda Green. <laughs> and, um, she's dropping names. She's dropping names. <laughs> Cladda Green in Valley Farmer, which is where I'm from. And there was two women talking about this guy that had heinously like murdered and raped this woman in a hotel yeah. in Tala. I'm sure we all know what case that is. And two of them were just like, he's so bleeding gorgeous. Yeah. I'd let him fucking rape me. <laughs> um, there was no like... God, he did this awful thing. Yeah, yeah. Like they were disbelieving of it because he yeah, was no, so they were like, "You never believe he did it because he's such a ride." Yeah, like it's ridiculous. Um, which I have to say, I enjoyed thoroughly and laughed that lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a weird thing that people talk. about. Yeah. the cases that get noticed are but done by pretty people like or pretty done people. to pretty people, like us, and they usually are white, <laughs> like us. Yeah, like <laughs> us. We're ticking all the murder boxes. Oh, we're ticking all. The- Someone's gonna murder me. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> Um, so yeah do you want to start uh, on whatever you're going to talk about yes I I don't know how long this is going to be Sarah so I'm sorry if it takes um, ages but I'm doing um, I was just thinking about this and I was thinking this is kind of one of two things it's like the murder of a woman and it's never been solved and they have a suspect but they can't pin him down to it and then the other way to look at it is the murder of a woman and they have a suspect and they can't find any evidence and they've pretty much fucking ruined his life so it's a weird, because uh, I don't, I don't, listen, I don't know if he's, he's done it. I don't know. I They don't even know. The guards don't even know if he's done it. But just to kind of put yourself in that position and what's happened to him. Well, here's the thing. If you mention the name. Yeah. So who are you doing? I'm doing week? Sophie Toscan de Plantier. That's good. I can't pronounce that. Um, <laughs> There'll be a lot of mispronunciations because I do not speak French. So. I said it to everyone this week that we were going to do this podcast, mm. and everyone I said to her name, which I mispronounced horribly yeah. each time, were like, "Oh, Ian Bailey did it." Yeah, it's like and this it's immediate. Like, reaction. And my immediate reaction was like, "Well, actually, we don't know. We don't know." Because um, I thought, like, honestly, before, because I would have only seen this briefly. Like, this happened when we were kids. I don't remember this. All I remember about this is I like always, afterwards. Yeah, I have. No memory of the crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. have memories of him being in high court, going after people that's to be it. like, "Yeah, hey, you've ruined my I'm life, and I didn't." Suing do this. everybody, but yeah, like that's the thing. It's it's massively huge, and people have already said he's done it, but they can't. They don't have. To. Anyway, I'll Let's do the story. Okay, so Sophie was born on July twenty eighth, nineteen fifty seven, in Paris, France, to her father George. I think it's George or Georges. I'm not sure. And her mother Marguerite. Um, they were very, very wealthy, well to do, well connected family. Um, she was a French producer, television producer, and she was married to Daniel de Plancier. I think I'm saying that right. And she married him in nineteen ninety, and he was a massively influential Parisian film producer. He, these people are like super wealthy. Right? Oh, they're minted, like absolutely minted, and that's obviously one of the reasons as well that this became such a massive. Yeah, because they've got money. Thing. They've got money to chase this, like. Um, so Sophie, in 1993, she bought a house in Drenane. I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names. Near Tamor, outside Skull. Shout out to my sister for telling me how to pronounce that. Because <laughs> uh, I had a bleeding clue. This was to work on her writing away from her busy life in Paris with her husband. Because, like, their life was mental. He was massively influential. He was hugely famous. Like, they were a really famous family. And it got, just kind of got too much for her. So she bought what, this house. What did she do? She was a French TV producer. Like, a film producer. TV producer. So she produced, like, a lot of TV shows and 
in, in, in France. France. Yeah, massively. Like it was, was just a sexy TV French show. No, but they were like I didn't realize because people were like really famous family, and I never really knew anything about them. And then when I got a bit into it, I was like, they were. They were like I didn't know they were wealthy. I honestly thought she lived in like a shack in Cork. No, like she bought this house. He actually bought it for her. He paid like one hundred sixty thousand pounds for it at the time. Oh shit! Because he was like, I want her. He wanted her to be happy or whatever. So he sent her off. He wants some time away from wife. The secretary. No, she was described as a kind, passionate, educated, and creative woman. But those who knew her, by those who knew her, and she had a keen interest in the arts. Oh, just FYI, uh, I got a lot of this stuff from the Irish Times. They have a crime and law section on their website. Uh, the Irish Independent. Um, I steer clear of the Daily Mail because it's fucking. How dare you? It's where I get all my news. Fucking shit, hell. And um, Barry Roche is a guy that wrote like a timeline breakdown of everything that happened, and it's absolutely brilliant. And it's on the Irish Times website, so I got a lot, a lot of stuff from that. Who did he? Didn't this guy sued a ton of newspapers? Oh, right? he sued eight newspapers. And who did he? He won two, and he only got like six grand out of it. Fuck yeah. But anyway, her only son. Oh my god, here we go. Pierre Louis Baudet Vigneault said that absolutely hey, that's wrong. pretty good said that he recalled how his mother loved the wilderness and the isolation of Ireland and she gave him an understanding of the world and how much suffering there was because she kind of looked at Ireland as like our past being we really really suffered so she liked to go into that and she liked that and think, be like I'm not suffering that's a weird thing her. to say I know right uh, as I mentioned by her son and also by Sophie's son husband that Sophie did not go to Cork right? she kind of vacationed three or four times there she didn't live there she just went back and forth okay um, to escape her husband not to escape her husband yeah. but rather to quote escape their glamorous and very public life which I get uh, between 1993 and 1996 Sophie and obviously her family like the son and the, the husband sometimes uh, would enjoy weekend breaks and vacations in, on the small Cork village in the small Cork village um, so on December 23rd 1996 same day she was meant to fly back to Paris to holiday oh, shit, with her so husband close. it's Christmas. Christmas she was meant to fly back to Paris to then go to West Africa with her husband oh, they fuck. had like a planned a holiday um, the badly beaten body of Sophie was found on the laneway to her Tremor home by her neighbour Shirley Foster sure, uh, Sophie was dressed in her night clothes and she was 39 years old and I actually oh, I was watching this thing on YouTube about this and Shirley uh, was just driving along and uh, stopped and she saw she saw like a life-size doll at the end of the the thing mm. and then she was like what is that and she got out of her car and she saw it and she said she just got back into her car and started screaming which is freaking horrible like and that's the other thing about this is this shit happens but you have to think of the people that are like so deeply affected by this yeah and plus this is like before like people had mobile phones oh, it was way and, before social media um, it was like, but just the capability to yeah. ring the like she basically had to go and get her husband so she had to leave her there yeah and she said she didn't in a touch panic. Yeah. She didn't touch the site. She didn't do anything. She just was like, fuck, what do I do? So she went and got her husband. But anyway, that's who found her. Uh, the Guardi under Superintendent JP Toomey immediately launched a murder investigation. So I'm going to talk about the prime suspect in this murder, as Sarah said earlier, is um, Ian Bailey. Um, this is weird. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know how I feel about this. And I don't want to say if he did or didn't do it. But there's a lot of stuff that's happened to him that is really fucked up as well. So there's a whole other aspect to the story. Um, as in... As in... Like stuff before this? No, or like he's... Listen, he's not a good... He wasn't a very good person. So like, I'm going to... I'm not going to sit here going, mm, like, because he did bad shit. But I was, And he didn't help himself. No, he didn't help himself. But he did bad shit. But you can do bad shit and not be a murderer. And that seems to be the people can't seem to put that in place in their brains. They're like, oh, he did this bad thing. He definitely murdered her. But I'm like... 
you need evidence to prove that you can't just say oh this one time he did this thing that I didn't think was nice so he definitely murdered her like that's not and people tend to do and I do that sometimes you know yeah. if somebody tells me oh this person did this and I would think back to something they do and I'm like oh I'm not surprised you know but obviously the other thing is is that the people around them when they heard he was a suspect didn't question it no they immediately so, were like I mean it must have been believable and he that's the thing have... I think it, but then there's other stuff I'll tell you anyway okay so Ian Bailey he's now 57 was a freelance journalist originally from Manchester who moved to West Cork in 1991 he later met and began a relationship with Welsh born artist Jules Thomas he then moved in with Jules and Jules had three daughters um, so on the 10th of February 1997 Bailey was arrested this arrest was carried out after a statement from schoolboy Malachy Reed whom Bailey gave a lift to that Bailey had admitted to quote going up there with a rock and bashing her fucking brains out Bailey's partner Jules was also arrested on that day so I looked into this a little bit more and it was that Bailey he didn't help himself dude because he was constantly making jokes about it like so he's little, joking about he was this lady joking. so he said when they questioned Malachy Ian said no 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 Malachy said to him how was your day and he said oh it was great until I went up there and bashed her brains in with a rock like as a joke but obviously it was like one of the, like a sick gross weird joke that this woman was just dead and how old is this kid he's like 14 so, so he's a 14 year old he, and he's in a car with he's this in a guy car, so he, why is he hanging out with this guy because Ian just gave him a lift he gave him a lift home like it's a small village okay like where I'm from Longford and where I'm from in Longford like when I was a kid our neighbours would stop people would stop and bring us home like it was completely normal stranger danger <laughs> stranger danger did not exist in Longford when I'm, I'm from fucking Dublin <laughs> and if someone stopped fuck off I'd be like here you and then I'd be straight with ma 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 but like that's the thing is a lot of stuff from this that is very small country mentality and that's where a lot of this stuff with Ian Bailey especially because he's an outsider he's an outsider I can see why people immediately jump to be like yeah okay. whereas I'm thinking if it was somebody from the town that everybody knew would they have been as quick to judge to jump so that's the other side of it but anyway yeah so Malachy told the guards this and he said this to me so they immediately took it as right he's a prime suspect obviously because this kid was like they were like what did he say and he said well, he said he went up there and bashed brains so they went with that but anyway um, both Ian and Jules were arrested without charge and this started a long, confusing and deeply debated stri- string of occurrences that are still ongoing to this day, including allegations of guard corruption and various lawsuits, with Bailey stating he's been a victim of conspiracy by authorities for the last 18 years. So I just wrote a note here and I said, I feel that sometimes that the horrific death that Sophie met is sometimes forgotten amongst the, um, amongst the media frenzy that followed this case. So let's talk about what actually happened to Sophie, which is fucking horrible. Um, Sophie's husband, Daniel, has stated that Sophie called him the night before her murder. And she seemed happy and upbeat. Okay. Of course he did. So she, yeah. So she, he's like saying that she rang and she was just. She's a great mood. She's great bands, form. Having some wine in her little village. Um, so yeah, Sophie's husband, as I said, Daniel had stated that Sophie called him the night before the murder. And she seemed like happy, upbeat. She's having some wine. She's like, I'm a rich person in a poor area. <laughs> I'm experiencing this like poverty kink that I have um, he said that they made plans about their upcoming trip to Africa and they said goodnight and that was it um, actually it's horrible so I was reading about it and there was like a thing in one of the newspapers where he said that he found out about her murder from the news Aww. before any authorities had contacted him before anybody had rang him to be like your wife is after being murdered and oh fuck me that's her horrible mother said that she was watching the French news and they mentioned on the French news that a woman had been murdered in Cork and she said she immediately knew it was Sophie. Oh! So they found out, like, to find she out... Have the <laughs> she had the shin She had the shin She's got the shin! Um, but yeah, like, she said that, um, like, a French bu- news bulletin popped up 
Like it's horrific. Like I can imagine. No, that's fucking horrible. It's awful. But you know, if she was an Irish mother, she'd be like, "There was a knock on the door at three a.m. the heard, night before." My mother'd be like, "I know, I heard the banshee." Um, my mother still to this day tells me that someone knocked on our aluminium letterbox that was as light as a fucking feather, and would regularly knock if there was a bad wind. But still to this day, my grandfather died, and he died really young and unexpectedly. And my mother is like, "I heard a knock." on the door it happened three times and then I woke up and I said to her dad something's wrong something's wrong and uh, then my granddad was dead and okay, she's still but I think that's what Irish people do they have to take this thing where there has to be a, a whole rigmarole around a death it can't just be the person had a heart attack and they died it's yeah. like oh no I heard at uh, 3am I heard the banshee crying outside yeah. the door and I just knew when I woke up the next day she was dead yeah. the fuck show. I knew but still I'll fo- what the fuck that and laugh at it still terrified of it oh yeah no genuinely sometimes Jack I have a cat his name is Jack he's uh, got issues and he can't hear he's deaf so he can't hear himself cry and there are some nights that it wakes me up and I'm genuinely like is that Jack or is it, it the, the banshee back of my head, I'm like Banshee, because she cries for the Max and the O's. She cries. She for cries the for the Max and the O's. You're gone. You're a goner. <laughs> I changed my name to a le- to Lenny specifically, <laughs> specifically so the Banshee can't get me. She can't get me. By the way, in Dublin, that's not a thing. No, but that's she cries thing. for everybody. But that's the thing. Like even with, like looking at this story, this is such a country story. Yeah, like, the entire thing is so country. Like because I think murders in the country, oh, I really don't. But they differ quite much, quite differently from like murders in Dublin. Well, murders in Dublin are are usually. Like, Crime, yeah, they're usually crime and gangland orientated. Yeah, 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 and yeah. to be completely honest, when I talk about my own next week, we don't care about them because our assumption is they, they're bad people and, so and, they they, did, they, they're, and they're killing, they're killing each, each other. other. And like, it's you hear people say, just let them kill each other. Yeah, which is fucked yeah. up as well. And but in a country that doesn't really happen, it doesn't. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. usually a crime overfield or, or a crime of passion someone's in a sewage tank um, or someone's in a sewage tank, someone's in a sewage tank. Um, and it's usually those kind of things whereas in Dublin they're usually criminal orientation and isn't it mad though that it's like there's such a massive difference it's a tiny country and there's such a massive like I'm an hour and a half from here yeah and the difference in like how people see things how people view things yeah is like anyway tangent we're going on a tangent um, so Sophie was like super sociable she had lots of friends in the village um, a lot of like kind of writers and artists she was super into that sort of stuff was the village like super full like was it full of people like it wasn't no, there wasn't or like why did she pick there because it was so isolated like oh, okay. she as I said she wanted to get away and the, like she could have moved to Cork City but like Cork City is a city so she wanted yeah. to move somewhere that there was like nobody around which was a bad idea at the end of it all yeah. um, but like nobody around she could just be like around the mountains and the sea and the, you know the way rich people like to Gla- yeah, yeah, they like to glamorise poverty yeah anyway she's dead I shouldn't be saying this God fuck rest, her God rest her soul <laughs> call it <laughs> Ian Bailey did it edit it snow it, snow it. Uh, yeah they all described her as a kind intelligent person who could also be voracious and fiercely independent that's how her husband described her as well he was like this is awful so this is <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing there's this interview they did with her husband and they were like you know when you ask someone dies and you because maybe it's just like an Irish thing to be like oh they were a fucking saint well we martyrdized yeah, people we martyrdized as, as Irish people yeah, like, I mean yeah, yeah. I know so many people that died that were awful human beings and everybody's like and oh, now oh. they're like oh Jesus wasn't it great she that one queen. time I was outside the swimming pool and I looked cold and he said here I'll give you a lift <laughs> um, but like he was a wife beater and alcoholic he was a massive rapist that's but the you only know thing what? people think um, about but yeah they didn't interview their husband and one of the questions they asked which is obviously an obvious question they would ask a husband was like do you think that there'd be any reason for someone to murder Sophie and he immediately said yes and he said because she was 
cutting like if she did not agree with something she would tell you and what's fucked up is he was like if a man came on to her she would say no and she would mean it and she would make shit of him and then it's almost like in his brain it's her fault he warranted her being murdered because and I was like dude just say and no. listen I'm getting little red triangles popping up here like did the dude have something to do with I it? I don't know. This is my opinion, but anyway, it could be wrong. Uh, That's a fucked up thing to say. About it is. Your dad. I just and how soon was, after is like, it that she literally the, the question was like, do, would you think there would be any reason for someone? Because you know when someone is murdered, they're like to the funny enemies, and he was like, yes, immediately without second thought. But then maybe the other side of it is where he was like, she doesn't take any shit. So maybe that's the way he thought of it. He's like, she takes zero shit so she could have pissed off the wrong person. But still, maybe read the room, dude. Yeah, she read the room. Her skull bash. Although in. my dad would say a similar thing of Probably, me. yeah. My dad would be like, oh, Jesus, she was now a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave me an awful time. Listen, she deserved it. And I know why someone would want to bash her face in. <laughs> It's like, crazy. and she like Emma. This isn't like an execution. No, this woman. This was like an act of absolute anger. Like it was vicious. There was just, I'll describe what happened to her. Anyway. It's awful. Uh, oh, I said it here. Sophie Sophie's murder was vicious, and her injuries horrific. The state pathologist, Doctor John Harbison, who conducted her autopsy, stated the following about the injuries Sophie sustained. So. I think they do trigger warnings on podcasts. Yeah, we'll probably do it at the beginning, but yeah. essentially this it's, bit's about to get nasty. It's a, little, it's a little bit graphic. So this is basically, this is from an Irish Times article. I got this from an Irish Times article. So this is just quoted exactly what he saw. So he said, in the approach to these cottages, I observed the dead body of a female lying on the grass verge on the roadway. The principal feature of the body was that the head, shoulders and both arms were heavily covered in blood. Dr. Harbison describes the body in terms of multitude of wounds, bruises, lacerations and hemorrhages. Um, her mother had saw pictures of her after she'd been killed. Is that how she, how was she ID'd? She was ID'd, well, like, the neighbour who found her ID'd her. Oh, So she was like, it's Sophie. Uh, Her mother had told me that, or told one of the journalists that her beautiful daughter's face was a pulp. Like, that's so sad. It's awful. Dr. Harbison lists laceration and swelling of the brain, fracture of the skull and multiple blunt head injuries as the cause of death. Um, he said the dead woman wore a short cotton top a pair of cotton long john style underpants and boot like shoes with socks sewn into the top the underpants had caught on barbed wire as she fled and were stretched for about three feet behind the wire between the wire and the body Fuck. she was trying to run away she from trying them, to get away and she was trying to get over a fucking barbed wire fence like that's the thing about this it's that this case has become about Ian Bailey, Ian Bailey completely that's all this case and I know you want to catch the guy that did it but like everybody has seemed to forget in the scheme of things how what a horrible death this yeah, woman got like, the thing, if Ian Bailey didn't do it yeah and there, like from what I'm aware there's not a massive amount of evidence that ties him to no. her someone did this someone did and it. has not been held no. accountable and they haven't gone after no. anybody else they're literally and sticking this guy, to like, this I'm assuming it's a guy mm. but this oh, person no. fucking like murdered her, her like bet her to a pulp he was not letting her get away her yeah. down the laneway of her house yeah. and like to the point where she is unrecognisable yeah. um, and like she was in her night clothes so she was in bed this was like they said her time of death was about 3am so she was in bed so she answered and as I said it's such a fucking tiny town mentality someone knocks on your door at 3am and you answer it if someone knocked on my apartment door at 3am I would not answer my apartment door like I just wouldn't you probably would because you'd stab a fucker yeah. but like I I would not like I've had my doorbell ring at like 3am here and I'm like you can ring it off the hook I'm not answering it because I just don't trust but when I'm at home 
because you're I feel isolated and you safe. feel safe. My mother leaves her back door. Oh God, I'll say it. My mother leaves her back door open. My mother is hasn't got a pot to piss in, so <laughs> don't rob from her. But you know what's really odd about that? I've stayed in your mother's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I shat my pants and I didn't keep going <laughs> because one, the house is a bungalow. You're in the haunted bedroom. And it's um, one complete flat level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, you can't see a fucking no, thing outside dark, yeah, at night and dark. I'm from the fucking heart of Dublin so I'm used to that amber blur everywhere yeah, 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 yeah. and it never being pitch dark and yeah like I I was genuinely uncomfortable in your mother's <laughs> and not because there's anything wrong no, with your mother's but, like, you're not but because I'm that. not used to it being that way yeah. and I remember saying to Graham because we slept in the bed and the bed was right at the window and yeah. I was like don't fucking open that window but like that room I always say that room is haunted like that's room, that was my room that I Can slept in growing in? up I did um, and my biggest fear in that room this is a tangent my biggest fear in that room was like opening the curtains and there being somebody yeah, standing outside exactly, my window the entire yeah. time we were in that room I was like if you open those fucking <laughs> window but I'm jumpy at the best of times but and it is the countryside so it's so dark and it's so quiet like I think the thing about Dublin is especially living in Park West you get oh my god edit out Colin um, <laughs> is you get used to noise there's constant noise in Dublin like and we've become a, you've become completely accustomed to it there's always a hum there's a constant hum in Dublin yeah that doesn't exist in the country no it doesn't and it makes me really uncomfortable yeah. also and you said this about me I could sniff trouble in a second in a second yeah, and I wouldn't um, I wouldn't and yeah like I come from like a household where like trouble was just a thing yeah 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 and so I can always tell when a mood's about to change yeah but I just don't trust anybody I think but like in saying that what you just said there about me opening the door at 3am we have had people knock on our house uh, door at 3am I brought the dog with me yeah but I was like, who the fuck is this motherfucker? Yeah. But my instinct was like, who's this motherfucker? And what did they want? Your instinct was Compton. I'm yeah. Compton. Yeah. Mr. No, but like, I was, that, and that's the thing about Sophie. She answered that door because she was in a small town and, she and didn't think safe. anything was going to happen to her. And that is the mentality. But of did she open the door? Were they in the house? That she said, they said there was no struggle in the house. Oh. There was no struggle outside the door. So what happened is she obviously opened the door. And I think she obviously knew this person because like why but then again it's small town like it's small town so you don't know and it's what year uh what year did i say this was 1991 1991 1996 yeah i mean what age were you i don't know quick math quick math quick math i was i was 12 i was 11 11 yeah so we were babies side note go what was the first true crime thing you ever um, the very first thing I ever remember happening was this um, girl was murdered in behind, in the lane of my primary school. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. And I was in primary school, but my sister was in the secondary school and the lane that she was murdered in would have been where my sister would have hanged out. Jesus. So my sister is like six years older than me and I went to primary school. She went to the secondary school and she was still in secondary school. So I was probably like maybe between the age of seven and eight when this girl was uh, murdered in the lane. Yeah. And oh, um, and she was the same age as my sister. And I just remember because it was almost like we went to school one day. Yeah. It was like a it was a weeknight when she was murdered. Right. Um, and we went to school one day and then like the next day when we went to school it was just all different. Yeah. Do you know what like I mean? the vibe had like totally But just changed. you were like as a kid I wasn't aware that like what had happened because this girl was I may do her I don't know but how she was murdered was she was literally hit with like a can of beer repeatedly in the face what yeah um like who thinks of doing that to a person and um 
I just, and I remember being aware that that's how she was murdered. I remember being aware that it wasn't like, mm, it wasn't an accident. Horrible. It wasn't that she died down there. It was that like someone um, like had really, really hurt her. And I remember oh that gosh. being really aware of it. And if the thing is, the place called Lynch's Lane is the name of the lane. Is, is it close to her? Yeah, it's super close. It's beside the um, school then wrote. Oh, um, okay, 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 okay. And it's like the side access to the secondary school. No one really used that. And people used to just hang out there. Um, it used to be so where you go if you're on the Mitch. Um, on the Mitch. On the Mitch. Um, that was the story of your life, Everna. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I went on the Mitch like once a year. We literally had this conversation last week when we were walking in the park, and you told me your entire life was the Mitch when you were in school. This is not true. <laughs> I had a great education. Libel. Because um, I was gonna. What's your first one? I was gonna. My first one is a book. Yours went off into real life. Yeah, because I'm from Valley Farm. <laughs> I saw no murder. I was in fields at 6am. Now, my first one was a book. I We moved into the house, my mum's current house. Um, there was a book that I read that I should not have read when I was a kid. And I can't remember the name of it, but I'm going to get the name of it. Um, and it was about this woman who was pregnant. It was a whole book about it. And it was my auntie gave me a box of books. She also gave me um, Flowers in the Attic, which I should not have read. Fuck. Yeah. How old were you? I was only like 13, maybe less. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I read Flowers in the Attic and I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this book because brothers and sisters are banging. But like, Hey, then, listen, it's the time. <laughs> it's the and we're from Ireland. It's different times. Um, but I read this book and it was about this woman who got pregnant and her best friend was jealous and kidnapped her and cut the baby out of her with the car key. Oh, this is that American case. Yes, yeah, so that was the first kind of ever true crime thing that I ever And you're ever like 13. Read. And I remember reading it and being so... Six dis- years previous to that, I was on the fucking still <laughs> learning about murder. <laughs> um, but I remember reading it and being disgusted and horrified, but then being like, I need to read more of these things. But yeah, so they were the things we should not have been reading. Yeah, then. but you know, here's what I will say, and I know we've gone off on a little tangent here. Yeah, the tangents are fun. Um, I think being highly aware of these things happening in the world makes me and I can't speak for everybody that's into this type of thing makes me way more comfortable walking around 100%, in the world because there's a cautiousness that you develop yeah and well. there's that whole thing as well as like and I know this is an MFM thing but like stop being fucking polite yeah like don't be polite like and it's mad and I than... never grew up with that I grew up yeah. with a dad that was like don't fucking talk to yeah. anybody don't do this and I grew up with a mother who was a polar opposite yeah, who yeah. was like uh, say polite, hello to everybody and say I, hello yeah, yeah like and I remember just my dad being like don't talk to anybody yeah. don't fuck about don't trust anybody yeah. and if it's a man or a boy and he wants to talk to you in don't a place that off. doesn't seem normal or okay or safe yeah. tell him to get fucked like it's that kind of thing as well. I remember I was telling you about uh, when I was in school and my, one of my teachers I won't say which one um, when we were in think, sec, first year in, in secondary school brought us into a room after class and tried to teach us how to be ladies and oh, then yeah. we couldn't distract the boys close your legs when you sit down make sure you use antiperspirant and I was like these smelly fuckers outside our classroom <laughs> you smell like ball cheese and you're bringing us in telling us not yeah, to smell it's, and it's that thing legs. where it's like you, as a female you have to tailor your everything your entire life is tailored um, around what men are going to think or but it's not even them. what men are going to think it's you have to tailor your existence so that you don't make them feel uncomfortable yeah. because then if they rape you or attack you or yeah. murder you it's your fault yeah. it's the same reason we live in a society where they're still bringing we live in a society where they're still bringing women's clothing into yeah. rape cases to be like this is what she was wearing she was wearing uh, some underwear like, and uh, she didn't have listen this is a, a feminist rant so if you want to uh, like a stereotypical feminist 
time on a Smurder podcast. This is it. This was your guess. This is it. Uh, but anyway, tangent done. Sorry. Are we okay with that? Yeah, we're yep. fine. Um, so yeah, uh, da, 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 da. it was obvious that she had severe... Oh no, there was another thing I wanted to read. Uh, oh yeah, the dead woman had long hair which had become entangled in vegetation, Dr. Harbison wrote. Um, it was obvious that she had a severe head injuries because there were gaping rooms on the right side of her forehead and the right ear was severely lacerated at its lower edge. Beside the deceased left shoulder and head was a flat slate like a stone which was heavily bloodstained between the deceased body and the wire fence and with nine inches of her right hand was a nine inch cavity block. So basically, I don't know if this guy went up there with the rock. I don't know if they went, he went up with a murder weapon or I don't know if they had an argument and he found a rock and beat her head in. So this is what I'm like confused about. I'm like, I don't know if this was premeditated. It doesn't sound if, premeditated. That's the thing. I think it's just because if it was premeditated, you'd bring a knife. You'd bring something to hurt her. Well, you bring a thing to uh, like do a, the crime. A poker, something. But it feels like a rock is a real, I was fighting with you here and that was the nearest thing to my hand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I don't I know. I wonder if, like maybe her husband is completely accurate in the fact that maybe someone went up and made like a sexual yeah. advance at her and she was like, no, get yeah. fucked. And so that's the thing. arrived it's... at like three in the morning yeah, locked yeah, yeah, yeah. or, that's you know, it, you and then know. things kind of... It's weird. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, but still, so, like, to, this person continuously bashed her head in. He, like, this was, like, he wanted her dead. Mm. Like, so, you know. Uh, Sophie was beaten to death with a rock and a cavity block while she tried to flee her murderer. It has also been stated that Pody- Sophie put up a massive fight, so she tried her absolute best. Yeah, she fucking she did. She was like, fuck you, dude. And she had, um obviously, DNA under her fingernails and stuff like that because she scraped the fucking shit out of him. So that's the other thing. is like, whoever she who's attacking her she attacked back and it wasn't like a scratch it was like she went for him okay not that way so that's to keep that in mind um strict scrapings were taken from the fingernails of both of sophie's hands uh with the pathologist stating a number of hairs almost a dozen were adherent to and even wound around the fingers of the right hand because of dried blood these were removed with difficulty and some of them parted i found one long and very short hair adherent to the back of the left hand so it's very important to note that Bailey gave a sample of his DNA in 1997 and this did not match. So the DNA sample that taken from her, her fingernails, fingernails and, and the Bailey's, hair. And Bailey's DNA sample. Do there not was match. No match. So this is where this starts to get ludicrous to me. Because unless she was fighting with four other people that night and had tons of other DNA under her fingernails. Yeah. Bailey was not there. His DNA was not there. And she had DNA on her. Like, it wasn't like, oh, you know, she had a scratch in her hand. She was covered in hair. And skin. Blood and, and blood. Skin. And another person's blood. So, this is where, when I read this, because I knew about it, as so did you, but I, this is where, when I read this, because I thought he did it. Well, here's the thing. I knew about everything up until that DNA yeah, bit. Like, so, when you mentioned who you were be... going to do, I was like, oh, okay. And then the DNA bit, I did not have a clue. Yeah. And, it, like, the first thing now, it'd be like, is there any... That's this person are, fought her, yeah. her murderer off so there should be some DNA in her and, and I've then seen for some the people, DNA not to match yeah. where are they still after and I've seen some people on the internet being like oh it was 1996 I'm sorry 1996 they had DNA they knew what DNA was they knew how it worked yeah. it wasn't a brand new no, thing no, like, no, no. you can't just say oh it was 1996 they didn't know they fucking knew what it yeah, was yeah yeah Anyway, so why was he still pursued as the main suspect? So we're going to talk about Bailey. Uh, one of the main reasons obviously was the testimony from Maliki Reed in Skull the schoolboy he gave mm-hmm. a damning statement to which Bailey passed off as him explaining what he could have actually done and it was just a joke so Bailey wasn't helping himself so another person I know we've all made jokes I know I will, I will like, say you, you know I've said some shit 
People go back through my Facebook. If, this, if anyone listens to this, do not go back through. Don't Facebook. go back through my Facebook because <laughs> I said some shit that people would be like, "Oh, questionable." You know, and I kind of feel like <laughs> this is not to throw you under the bus, but I feel like if this murder, oh, no, happened, you know me. <laughs> if a murder happened in my apartment, I you I probably like what did you do yesterday, and you'd be like murdered yeah. someone, like so. But <laughs> the, the other side of it is, this is a grown ass man who people don't really seem to like with good reason anyway okay so get back. let's let's so let me hear why you don't like them so another person marie farrell this is bizarre this is still bizarre called the guardian on two occasions with a fake name she oh she called like, crime call My wasn't name it is jacinta to say that she saw a man on the bridge at 3 a.m the night of sophie's murder what were you doing up were you there <laughs> when asked by the guards if the man resembled bailey she said that he did right but she later recanted her statement uh, saying the guardie coerced it out of her and even mentioning that they dropped some speeding ticket charges in order to have Marie say it was definitely Bailey she saw. Oh. So this is where the Garda shit starts because there's a lot more to the, like, I'm not going to go into everything because there's way too much and it's still going on. But she rings, says she's seen someone on yeah. a bridge. And then, but gives a fake name. And then, oh yeah, but that's like, uh, listen. Yeah, no, I, I would, I've done that before. Yeah, like, I haven't. I ring the guards and I give all my full fucking information. <laughs> and I'm like, if you need a witness, no fucking problem. <laughs> but I've, um, I've ring the guards before with like shit going on and I'm like, I don't want to give a name. I've been writing everybody with this COVID thing. I'm still... <laughs> Fucking if you live near me and the police have knocked on your door to say there's too many people in your household that don't live there I fucking did I'm it I'm going to be I a story about you in about two weeks yeah, listen, no she didn't I fucking did <laughs> um, but yeah she recanted it and she went on to say that the guardy were like listen Marie we'll get rid of those speeding tickets I hear now you'll be grand you'll be grand Marie, sure we'll get grand. rid of those speeding tickets that's the worst cork accident how dare you how dare you um so another reason that they thought that it was Bailey was that he had wounds on his arms. He had like scratch marks on his arms. And that was one of the main things that they kind of, and I was like, did they find DNA in scratch marks? No, they didn't. But anyway, Bailey stated this was from chopping down a Christmas tree. And I was like, oh, whatever. Okay. And killing turkeys. But other people said that they saw him cut down a... Jill's daughter corroborated his story. And she was like, I went with him to chop down, down the Christmas, Christmas tree. tree together. Okay. So they were like okay well anyway and he killed some turkeys he was saying he killed turkeys and that's where he got charges now my uh, uncle, uncle Jimmy used to kill chickens like it was horrible well, and uh, he would he get scratches yeah he scratched all over his hands yeah because he knew what was happening fuck it, we're like this motherfucker's trying to kill me oh, I'm gonna Christ. chicken scratch so yeah country folk okay. <laughs> Yes. I wasn't killing chickens. Friends of the turkey. Fucking murder. We had this pig one time and we were like, love this pig. Oh no. Poor chops. Um Did he taste delicious? I didn't eat it. I was like Did you protest it? I'm probably gonna have to cut this out. Anyway, work with this woman. She's vegetarian. And one time I asked her why she's vegetarian. This is a story. She was <laughs> telling me that uh when she was growing up, her dad and mum had a farm and she her dad had a calf. And she like loved this calf more than anything in life. She thought this calf was the most amazing thing in the world. They were best friends, they got along, the calf got bigger and uh, dad killed it slaughtered it and cooked it and gave it to her and she ate it and she didn't know she'd eaten it <gasps> and she was like ever since that she was vegetarian dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. which I was like that's fucking crazy I was the whole time I was like your dad's a fucking sociopath he's not he's a lovely man I'm sure Bible. He... but uh, yeah he killed the cow and she ate it and she didn't know she was eating it and she was like that's why I became vegetarian and I was like I thought you were going to say you just you know, didn't know <laughs> I'm going to say I'm allergic to meat I'm going to go make some tea I'll um, see you later alright fuck um, yeah. that's some heavy shit yeah 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 like I just thought that was fucked up because like I'm I eat meat, meat, meat but I've never had like a deep connection to animals like farm animals but they were always there was always cows in my in my garden yeah and stuff. I don't I just I'm listen <laughs> You love a steak. More power to you, yeah. And I think you're doing great. 
and I think it's a fabulous we're gonna piss off the vegans I just I it's some form of well here's the thing I've no willpower I'm not a drug addict or but I am a fucking food addict and it's where all my emotional unstableness goes to and it, that includes meat that includes cooking yeah yeah yeah, meat, yeah. Uh, all forms bread. of food desserts bread cheese everything bread. Cheese. everything cheese so yeah I think for me just it would be very difficult I'd have to go to a therapist <laughs> I would. She'd be like, okay, we're going to get into it. And I'd be like, listen, all my family are like drugs. Can I eat this bunny? Alcoholics. I'm none of those. I don't drink and I don't take drugs. But here's what I do do. I go down to the fridge at about four in the morning and I just cook up some shit. Yeah, but you're living your best life. Not like Nigella. I don't look like her. I just eat a lot of food whenever I'm sad or happy. Yeah. Or any celebratory. It's sad. It's depression. It's It's all things uh, good to men. It's It's great. Food is the best. We love food. Anyhow, tell the rest of this uh, okay, story. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, also, there was another reason, which is a gross reason, and he's. This is why I think he's piece of shit. Bailey had a history of violence against his partner, uh, and alcohol abuse. So this made him a target to guardie. However, none of this, as hard and awful as it is, is actual evidence that Bailey committed the crime. This is what I was saying. Where it's like, well, he be, he beat Jules. Uh, he had scratches on his arms. That's circumstantial. It doesn't mean he did, did you it. Not have some weird diary. That I was reading this in the sun. <laughs> And um, <laughs> they were saying that they found diaries that he'd written these really graphic things about like wanting to kill. But this was in the Sun it. newspaper. It was in the Sun. So, which, no, there was know. also another story in the Sun about some guy who worked in a slaughter plant. No, they <laughs> always work in a fucking slaughterhouse. <laughs> What's not? Where you go get film developed? I probably like a film a development. <laughs> I want to say chemist because in my head, like that's where we always got film developed. We went to the chemist, but like he worked in a place where they developed camera film. Yeah, and he said that Bailey had asked him because Bailey was a journalist, so Bailey had asked him to uh, develop pictures, and it turned out to be Sophie's body, d- pictures of her dead body. Now, what? Where are the pictures? Where are the pictures? And they don't have the pictures. So it's he said, she, he said. Oh, so it's hearsay. Yeah, and like, uh, Ian was like, this is ludicrous. I, this never happened. So, it's, it's so fucking weird. Robin Williams in one hour photo. It is exactly, bim, bim, yeah. Bim. Um, that guy did it. That guy did it, the chemist. <laughs> <laughs> the guards were, however, convinced that Bailey did it, even warning the public that Bailey would kill again. Like they said this. What? Yeah. Once again, no evidence he did it. No, they had no evidence. They had scratches on his arms. The guards really fucked this up, they didn't did. they? Uh, they were leaking information on the case to newspapers. So they were leaking shit. So immediately, you know what the how news how the media reacts. They immediately jump on if it bleeds, it leads. So they're going to be like he did yeah. this, and they were leaking information. Uh, was he on the lately? That's usually where we send our murderers. Do you know something? I don't know. I don't know. If remember that fellow that killed his wife in Blue Bell, and then was on the and lately. Was on the late, late. I remember him. I, like, I don't know who did it, and no, it, his her poor mother was sitting there beside him. Fuck going, I know you fucking did it. The guards told me. I hope his dick fell off. Which you know, Kevin guys... McGlone knows him. Anyway, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Just beat the name, but don't yeah. cut it out. Uh, 2003, which in 2003 began an onslaught of eight lawsuits. The first of eight, he's had more, uh, by Bailey towards various publications. He won two of these and lost six. So basically, the guards leaked this information. They were all like, Bailey's a killer. He did it, he did it, he did it. And, and he's going to kill again. He's going to kill again. And then Bailey was like, fuck you, no, I'm not. Um, I wrote here, but Bailey's life was already in some way ruined. Which it was. Uh, with the guards trying everything to convict a man based on no evidence and literally zero DNA evidence. None whatsoever. Um, according to the Irish Independent again, a 2001 review by the DPP's office methodically shred- shredded the supposed, supposed case against Bailey. The DPP wouldn't put him on trial because there was no case against him. 
Okay. So there was no case. The guards were trying everything. Everything. everything to pin it on him. To pin it on him. Like one guy said that he gave evidence against Bailey and that the guards had given him weed. And he only admitted this a couple of years ago. What? They were like paying him with drugs to say... And like I'm shocked by this, but I shouldn't be shocked because this sort of thing no, is no, no. rampant. Like, yeah, and like, listen, I think we're lucky enough that we live in Ireland. Yeah, and in terms of our um, legal system, it works to an extent. It's to an extent, yeah. Um, it's better than America, um, and it's better than other countries. But um, if you think that that shit isn't going on in the guards, and you're just being naive, yeah, a hundred percent. And like, like, it's that thing where. They wanted someone. They ha- they wanted to pin the blame. Uh, but on I feel someone. like maybe like because here's she had an awful lot of influence. She and did. I'm sure like people but from the French government that's coming and in French here, yeah. like her family were, were getting like, in touch here yeah. to be like, what have you done what to solve happening? this? Yeah, and that's the thing. Her family were obviously involved, and so um, this all happened. Bailey is still free. There's been nobody convicted in Mer- in Sophie's case. Um, so where are we now? So in t- 2007, Sophie's family launched their own investigation into the murder of Patrick Gachon. I think that's right. Appointed to investigate the murders. Murders. Uh, Sophie's body is exhumed. She's buried in Paris. And a post-mortem is carried out by the French scientists that were looking after it. Uh, the Gardie file on Bailey is handed over to French authorities by the DPP. And in 2010, the first European arrest warrant is issued to Bailey. So the arrest France. warrant, okay. they were like, we've done our, our investigation. We've decided that he did it. it. I don't know why or how, but they've decided. Bailey contests this and the Supreme Court rules in Bailey's favour in his appeal against extradition on a the number Supreme of grounds. The Supreme Court in Ireland. Yep. Including that the French authorities failed to specify that the arrest was for the purpose of charge. So they just said that they wanted There's to bring a warrant him over for a his. warrant okay. but they wanted to charge him and they didn't tell anybody. So the Supreme Court in Ireland was like, fuck no. Um, oh, see how it is. Throughout this entire time period Bailey makes a complaint to the Ombudsman against the Gardaí regarding the investigation into the murder along with stating that his phone has been wiretapped for 16 years. Definitely, 100%. 100%. In begin, it begins his High Court action for damages against the Minister of Justice and the Garda Commissioner. Bailey loses and is ordered to pay all the legal fees estimated between 2 and 5 million euro. What? And he had evidence. He had proof. But the Supreme Court is not going to go against the Gardaí. They're just going to be like, and the Ombudsman. They don't want, this is already fucked up. This is already messed up. A lot of this stuff starts to come out where they're like, what the fuck were the guards doing? So they're not going to make this worse being like, yeah, he won't hear some money. They're not. So he had to pay all the legal fees. Where is he? But like, does he have that money? He didn't say. I presume not. Oh, weirdly enough, actually, I was reading up on this. He had got a law degree. He went, I think it was to Trinity or one or UCD and studied and got his law degree and is now a certified barrister so throughout all of this he his entire life was trying to prove his innocence to the point that he went and studied law to be like I did not do this Jesus so there's a lot of I mean that's I I mean I know he did some shitty things he did some shitty things and I'm not saying you can't take away from no you can't take away from the shitty things but we've all done shitty things this is what I'm saying and if there's no DNA evidence linking you to fucking anything Anything. nothing absolutely nothing there's no DNA Um, evidence so it's like he his. Do you know what this? I have to say, like talking to you about this has completely like switched my. Yeah, and I don't want to make. I'm afraid that I'm coming across that I don't think that. Sorry, somebody's having a little party outside. Oh, oh, that you love Ian Bailey. I fucking love him. He didn't do it. Justice for Ian Bailey. Um, but yeah, like it's that kind of thing where I don't want to sound like, oh, he definitely didn't do it, and Sophie's. It, it, I don't want to do that, but. You have to look at evidence here. Like, we can all be led by emotion and by, like, the fact that a woman was horrifically murdered. But emotion is not going to solve the case. You have to actually go with, like, what has happened. So... Yeah. 
and there was an awful lot of like Brits, he was English Brits out mentality yeah. do you know what I mean that was existing and it that, still exists but yeah, like but was no, in, in 1996, 1996 heightened fuck yeah yeah so um, so then the French obviously the French here was that IRA ad on in 1996 what year did we say that the was? UTV IRA advert. lads if anybody's actually listening to this I was talking to Sarah Jane about this the other night and I was like do you remember that ad about the IRA with the cats <laughs> and the cradle blade in the background she was like what the fuck are you talking about with the cats and the cradle so there's an ad that was made about like you know the IRA and people joining the IRA and how you shouldn't do that it's very bad and it was made and it was like a two and a half minute ad hang on it was you showed it to me I'd never seen it before um <laughs> It's a son and a father, yeah, obviously, because yeah, yeah. that's what that song's playing. Yeah. And the dad's in the ra. Or an alliance. He's in a par- he's, in a, he's in some sort of bad sitch. Yeah, like, he's, he's in doing a group. some fucked up shit, yeah. um, And I'm sure it was only shown on UTV. Um, and See, I think they saw it in England. I can't remember. But no, my husband, who lived here, oh, was, yeah, like, was like, yeah, I yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because I'm from Ballyfermot, they were like, here, don't show anybody that because we want people to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... All of our information about the IRA was like, go down to Jimmy in the corner, give him your name. He only takes applications Monday through Wednesday. But if you want to join and don't sell any drugs outside his house because he'll kneecap you. Um, but yeah, no, seriously, I've never seen that. But anyway. it's, so, it's not, I don't mean to say it's hilarious because it's not hilarious, but it is. It's, no, it's the most dramatic I've ever so seen. It's so dramatic. It's so, but like watch it if you get a chance, just YouTube. Uh, what do we YouTube? We YouTube Cats in the Cradle IRA ad. <laughs> just watch it because... <laughs> anyway um, so yeah obviously the French authorities and her family they set up her family set up this organisation to look into this and try and get answers because their daughter's dead and the only person that's been prime suspect because the guards haven't bothered their holes looking for anybody no. else is Ian Bailey and so they're immediately like he did it we know he did it they want him to have done it and I totally get that but you know whatever um, the French authorities travelled to Ireland to inc- um, conduct their investigations, interviewing people in the town and visiting the murder site. So in 2016, lawyers for Sophie's family announced they will seek extradition for Bailey again. So this is the second time now. That's like only, what year are we? 2020? Four, Four years ago. ago. This is still going on. Fuck. It's insane. This, uh, like, on a, I'm going to say, this poor guy. That's And it is like, and I then the other side of me is like, if I feel bad and then he actually is a murderer, I'm like, oh, fuck this dude. But these are facts like I'm not making this up this is fact this is what's happened you know what there I mean there was no DNA on the scene there was no DNA on her body like his DNA was not there and people were saying he didn't even know her like people were like he didn't know her he did work and they were like he did work in a neighbour's yard yeah hang on we're in the fucking arsehole it's the arsehole of Cork and your neighbour's yard is not next to each other do you know what I mean and they were like because they were saying did he know Sophie and he was like I didn't know Sophie and then they were like oh he got drunk and he wanted to have sex with her and he went up to her house and she was like I'm having sex with you and he bashed her brains in with a rock which is fine and a totally actual thing that could happen if there was DNA evidence and also he could he would have a background of sexually yeah 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 and violent like I know he was violent violent towards towards his his wife or his partner um, and that's a shitty fucking thing. It's a crap um, thing. However, that does not make you a murderer. No, like, and it are... doesn't make you violent um, to all women. That's the thing, and it is like that thing where they're just. You would have it like the guards would have known of shit you'd done previously. They're nitpicking. They're nitpicking because they want this guy. Like, and I also think that they were like, well, we, as you said, influential family, we have to find someone. So yeah, no, like these people have money. Yeah. So um, they will seek acquisition the second time. Bailey's French lawyer. Oh my god, Dominique Tricot. Predicts in an interview. Oh, with oui, the, oui. Oh, oui, oui. Jacques Rebelo. <laughs> predicts in an interview with the Irish Times that his client will be. This is what his his lawyer's French lawyer is saying that Ian will be convicted in absentia of the voluntary homicide of Tuscan de Plantier and sentenced to thirty years in prison. So he's already saying if they get the extradition, they're putting him in jail for thirty years. 
So he's like, there's, there's no way he's coming out of this without being convicted. Oh. They don't care. Uh, Bailey lodges an appeal in France against the murder charges. But, but he in, never goes to France, nope, does he? No, he still hasn't gone to France. Because he's terrified, yeah. obviously. Um, but in March 2017, he's arrested again outside the Criminal Circuit Court of Justice and is then released on bail. Um, this goes back and forth for nearly a year with Ian launching appeals to dismiss, to dismiss the homicide charge and extradition. So then in January 2019, Sophie's family announced that Ian will go on trial at Cour d'Assise de Paris on May 27th for her murder. So they're like, you're not here. We don't care. We're still bringing you to trial. So he's tried in absentia, which is the thing which I think is crazy. Um, Ian's barrister states that Ian will not be travelling to France because they weren't successful in the extradition charges because the Supreme Court, like, we don't the have, Supreme a, Court we don't have like, a case is, against We don't have a case. Yeah. Um, uh, but isn't it the Supreme Court are saying we don't have a case yeah. but then the Supreme Court also saying that the police did nothing wrong yep yeah. so they, they're con- it's, it's constant contradictions like, like constant contradictions and then like the, his complaint was very valid like I'm sorry his complaints were valid like they were being fucking dicks but anyway um, Ian's barrister says Ian will not be travelling to France for the trial with Bailey stating that if they convict him I'm gonna burp um, Jesus you're a pig yeah, if they convict him, um, they're going to convict an innocent man of a crime he had nothing to do with. So that's what Bailey's lawyer said. Um, so the actual trial in France begins on May 27th, 2019, nearly 23 years after Sophie's death. 23 fucking years. The Cour de d'Assise de Paris convicts Ian Bailey of Sophie de Tuscan, Tuscan de Plantier's murder with a sentence of 25 years. Ian is an absentee. So... They're so like, he is essentially they convicted, him. They said, convicted you did it. him. Said you did it. They can't. They can't get an extradition charge because Ireland's like we don't have a case against him. He did not do this. We can't send him over, and so nothing's happening. Absolutely nothing stands. Um, and as it stands, the French courts are still trying to secure an extradition warrant for Bailey, whilst he continues to battle with the Irish Supreme Court to quash this. Um, right now, there doesn't seem to be an end in sight for this case and for all parties involved. Jesus. And as I said, I got, that's it. That's the story of, of Sophie Tuscan-Ponty and Ian Bailey. And there is, nothing has happened. It's just been a whole lot of court cases. It's just been him being him like, I didn't do this. everybody that exists people, on the planet. Him going to fucking college to learn how to be a yeah, barrister. To stop people like, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know if I could live like that. I'm glad I didn't pick this one. It was an awful lot of like, back and forth. I'm glad it, you did it. It took me a lot, a lot of research, but like, as I said, listen, that, I just want to preempt anybody that's listening. <laughs> mine won't be this detailed, and I will have no references to where I got the information from because it will all be given for people. Sarah loves plagiarism. Um, it'll all be given for people that actually give gave me the information and don't want to be named on named sources. Allegedly. Allegedly. The word is going to be... You yeah, know, next week there's going to be an awful lot of allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Um, but yeah, as I said, I just want to say Barry Roche in the Irish Times, he did a, a really good breakdown of the start to finish of what happened. But, okay, so here's my question. Do the Irish Times now feel like they went after this guy? No. So they just still think that no, they acted and, and I facts. think a lot of them don't think that they went after him because the Guardian were leaking information. So they were going with what the Guardian was telling them. So the guardie were saying, oh, he had diaries. Oh, these pictures were... And they had no... Like, people... Like, listen, right? This is gonna... Oh, it's like classist. I don't care. People who read The Sun... What a plane. Oh, my God. What the hell is that? That's my scumbag neighbours. Um, but people read The Sun. And The Sun could be like... Um, you know... The Pope went to space. And you will speak to someone on Sunday and they'll be like, sure, the Pope on space. Oh, yeah, no, listen, There's here's no... the thing. I'm from a family of people that read The Sun and The Star. Yeah. 
the sun and the star are like the papers that are in my mother's father's household and the shit that I have to talk to my parents about <laughs> when I tell you it's like difficult and like they just think that I'm like a stuck up prick yeah because you're they, like, I'm, like my mother thinks I'm a fucking know-it-all yeah 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 because I'm like that's not fucking true and yeah. here's the other thing Facebook 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 two 55 year old fucking idiots fuck Facebook. Facebook fuck Facebook on Facebook uh, following every clickbait algorithm that's sent to them and then just preach it back to me as if it's fucking yeah. fact and that's Apparently not their fault. No, of um, course, yeah, no, no, but, of course. Like, but that goes to show you that uh, that's a lot of what happened here. Yeah, is that, that people weren't the sun they and, weren't uh, ta- they were just believing everything. And they, oh my god, I sound like Trump. I was gonna be like, they believe everything the media says. No, listen, that's not what I meant. I didn't it is what she meant. She has a mega hot on. <laughs> no, I just mean like uh, if this information's been spoon fed to you and it's such a horrific death of a woman, and they're like, that's the guy who did it you're immediately going to be like, yeah, he did it. Because yeah, and you, it's fucking 1996. Want, and you want to believe somebody's going to be brought to justice for this poor woman's horrific murder. Yeah. You want to believe that. You don't want to think there's no justice in the world. But factually, I know, can you hear this? Can you hear it? Can you hear Yeah, I can. It's very loud. You're going to have to deal with it because I'm not recording this again. No, I don't, but it's right at the Not end. you, the listeners. Fuck, yeah, but it's right at the end. Them. It's right at the end. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like it's, it's sad but the other side of me is when I was reading everything I just was feeling really bad for him like he I was laughing because I was like Sarah read this she think it was so funny he went to a lecture picnic and read out his book of poetry that he wrote oh what a wanker (laughs) he fucking did it he fucking did it I read that line and I was like I'm not putting this in the story because Sarah's going to be like put him in jail (laughs) put him in jail put him in jail for For fucking crimes against humanity for alone going to a lecture picnic and reading a book of poetry no but okay right he did some shitty things that doesn't make him a exactly. fucking murderer. That's it. The other thing is, is he is, and I, I know it's really easy for me to sit here and be like, he isn't helping himself because he's going to fucking electric picnic to read poetry, poetry. and yeah, yeah, yeah. all that. But at the same time, like he has to, I'm sure he's trying to do something to be like, I didn't fucking do this, man. And like, he's a barrister, but he's, where is he going to practice law? No, no one's going to give him any fucking where money. Where is, who's going to hire, who's yeah. going to like, where does like, he live now? He's in, he's in Ireland. He's still in Ireland. I'm not sure where about in Ireland, oh but he's still lives in Ireland. So yeah, that is that, there is that sort of thing where it's like, his life was immediately ruined, but so was hers. So, but anyway, it's awful. And I just feel so bad for her family and her poor son. And he's just devastated. Like he's absolutely devastated. Yeah. And that's the underside of the story. And he's so angry and he's so fed up and it's been like 23 fucking years. But his family are going after somebody that clearly didn't do it. And like, I read a thing where he was saying, it's so small. Skull is so small people can get mur- murdered in Paris and they will find the person and there's millions of people this is a town of like 400 people and they can't find the person yeah. that murdered her so that's the other side of it you know so it's it's all sad and awful and stop murdering me. but it was a good job Teeny. yeah I'm glad I didn't pick her as I said and when we were looking at them I was like you do that one <laughs> strategically <laughs> you do that one I um, don't have no, the, I'm excited about I don't have the one. college education to do this one no because I'm excited about your own because whenever you tell me stories I just like hold my face I'm like oh yeah. they're always horrific so, so um, just for a heads up I'm going to do um, his name would be the guinea pig Jeez. or Mark Desmond um, and I'm going to do him next week. And I have it done, 
But she's lying. She has nothing done. I've done fucking nothing. I'm not she gonna made lie. our logo. Um, I made her logo. And she I, did actually I, I actually rang my mom and said, do you uh, know that fella that Mark Desmond murdered? And my mom was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, and then my dad was like, don't talk about that on the fucking, on the internet. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. And also we haven't told anybody about this podcast. Well, like I told Colin because he's editing it and you've told your mum. I haven't told my mum. You told your dad and your husband. I'm sure you were with me when I yeah, rang yeah, my yeah, mum yeah. and pretended to be just reading an article. Like, yeah, I just want to know about um, the perfect death that happened. No. If anybody, like that noise in the background is so obnoxious. It really is. We're sorry. It's somebody drilling or something in yeah. next door. Of course they started. Um, of course. We'll probably just edit this bit out. Um, but yeah, so next week I'm going to do Mark Desmond, also known as the guinea pig. And if anybody has any information about him. Do not gonna... send it to her because she's the lazy bitch. No, do. <laughs> do. Send me all the, the fucking no. tips. Do. I sat and I scoured articles. Yeah, listen. Scoured. Send me some fucking information, right? <laughs> Um, tip line we need a tip line we need a tip line and um, we're going to put all of our information up on our social media so murder she's forgotten the podcast murder what most <laughs> murder most Irish we're murder most Irish on Instagram and I think we're murder most Irish on, on Twitter um, and then our email is murder most Irish at, podcast at, at gmail.com gmail. also just side note Graham's uh, Sarah Jane's husband wanted to call this two smelly bitches which probably is a better podcast name. I don't know why I'm married to him <laughs> I've, uh, I don't know why I agree. We were like, we were like, what are we going to call the podcast? And he just went immediately, too smelly bitches. Like immediately. Yeah, immediately. (laughs) And I just like to say, I don't smell. (laughs) I mean, I am a bitch, but. There's no smell um, in here. I I smell beautiful. Um, So yeah, that, we didn't call it that, but our Twitter bio calls us gee bags. Gee bags. We're not making a Facebook because Facebook can suck a dick. And I know they own Instagram, but whatever. Facebook can suck a dick. We're not going there. No, because I'm not going there for some fucking. I can't stand Facebook. It's Listen, we're garbage. not going on Facebook. Emma said it, and no. I'm going to delete my Facebook immediately <laughs> after we make this podcast. Fuck Facebook. Fuck them all. Um, so we're not going on and Facebook. And thanks for listening. Yes, we had fun. Sorry about the loud noise. Also, I've been sniffling because I have the worst hay fever, so I'm sorry about that. Yeah, as well. we'll get better at this, we hope. Yeah, and. Um, we, um, I don't know, actually, we could get really could bored. Get really bored. Really quickly, and then we may never do this again. Um, but yes, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. I had a really good time, and I'm going to make meatballs for dinner. Yay, meatballs. Thank you, boys.